we rejoice not because things on earth are always going well, amen, but we rejoice because our names are written in heaven, amen. Sometimes the Christian church has been accused of being fake, that you know, you all are acting all happy, and I know that you're diagnosed with cancer. You're acting like nothing's going on, but I know that you're having a personal issue. You're, you're acting like that you're a hypocrite. You're acting like that uh, ain't nothing going on at all. Nothing's wrong. Hey, we're not saying ain't nothing wrong. What we're saying is this ain't our home. Amen. That's what we're saying. We're rejoicing because one of these days when the storm passes by, amen, we're going to stand in his presence. Amen. We don't rejoice because things are great, do we, Virginia? No. If we can be honest, it's not always been great. It's been hard, hard. Some of us have had some tough pulls, haven't we? Some of us have had terrible things happen. We're not suggesting that. We're not suggesting that we're faking it. No. We are, we are proclaiming that our names are in heaven. And one of these days, peace will be ours forever in the presence of Jesus. That's what we're saying. Amen. That's what we're getting at. Amen. This ain't our home. We're really saying, thank God this ain't our home. (laughs) Thank the Lord this ain't it. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles this morning. I've really enjoyed the choir, haven't you all today? Enjoyed the song Sister Carolyn sung. That's one of my favorite, favorite songs. I really appreciate it. Amen. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter number 1. I rejoice in His presence. Amen. I rejoice in His goodness. Thank God for God. (laughs) Thank God for the Lord. Amen. Genesis chapter number 1. We're going to look at verse number 1. Genesis 1, 1. If you can't find that in your Bible... Go to, the, go to the table of contents. <laughs> You'll find it. <laughs> Genesis 1, 1. We're going to look at creation this morning, kind of an overview, a summary. Um, the creation account is vitally important to our faith. It, it is the beginning. It's the beginning of it all. Just, just, so, just for your information... It makes the, the creation narrative make more sense. The creation story, the, the order of events, how God created the universe, is obviously Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 3. That's, that's how God made the heavens and the earth in seven days. When you get to chapter 2, verse 4, God is dealing with how he created man on the sixth day. It's, it's, it's an overview of, of the sixth day creation. You'll notice in 2.4 that these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And from that point on, God is dealing with his creation of man. He's reviewing the sixth day and then the story of Adam and Eve begins. Of, of the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, and the fall of man. Because sometimes if, if, you, if you read past chapter 
2, verse 4, it seems like it can get confusing. Because it seems like, well, I thought God already made that, and I thought this already happened. It did. At verse number 4, chapter 2, God is, is describing the six-day creation to introduce us to mankind, the Garden of Eden, and the story of Adam and Eve's fall in the garden. So, but the creation account is from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, the order of events. Let's read verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It's pretty simple, isn't it? I believe that with all my heart. I believe that. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you would help us now as we consider this extremely important passage, this doctrine of creation. It is so important that we understand this, that this is faith, it is conviction, it is our worldview as believers. And Lord, I pray, God, that this will be settled and it'll set up like concrete in our hearts and our minds what you've done and how you did it. Lord, how you spoke and created life into existence. I pray, Lord, that this could be spread into our children and to our young people and the youth of our church because, Lord, this is vitally important to their faith. This is vitally important to the gospel. This is vitally important to salvation and eternal truth. We love you, we praise you, we worship you, Lord. Help me now, please. Forgive me of my sins. In your name, Jesus, Lord, we pray. Amen. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The Bible clearly teaches that God made the universe. It is absolutely clear. This isn't a metaphor. This isn't a figure of speech. This this isn't a, a mystic story. This is the literal truth. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the Bible clearly teaches this. In just a few passages, in Exodus chapter number 20 and verse number 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 9, in verse number 6, the Word of God says, Thou, even thou, art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven and the heaven of heavens with all their host, the earth and all things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein. And thou hast, pres- thou hast preserved them all, and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. Also, you can, I won't read Psalms 33, verses 6 and 9. The book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The book of Colossians, chapter number 1, verse number 16. Hebrews, chapter number 11, and verse number 3. And then lastly, I'll read Revelation, chapter number 4, and verse number 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, the Bible says. And for thy pleasure, they are made and were created. And so the Bible clearly teaches that God created the heavens and the earth. And as I mentioned last Sunday morning, 
let's, let's not be shocked when that the Christian worldview is that God made the heavens and the earth. That God literally created the stars and the sun and the moon and the ground and the water that you drink. That God made everything that you see in all the creation and all the universe and every star and every ounce of water and every, every grain of sand on the seashore is made and created by God Himself. That is Christian doctrine. That is what the Bible teaches. And as I mentioned last Sunday morning, that we are going by Scripture. And if, if you say that you're a Christian and you're not bound by Scripture, then I would say to you that I don't have any assurance that you are a Christian because we are begotten by the Word and we're kept by the Word and we're saved by the Word. And Jesus is the Word of God that became flesh. And to deny creation as God created, and the Bible clearly teaches beyond a shadow of a doubt that God created the heavens and the earth, and Jesus also spoke it and affirmed it, then you are saying, your heart is saying, that you don't believe the Scriptures, that Jesus wasn't speaking truth, and the Bible isn't the Word of God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Genesis 1.1. Amen? is a declaration of truth. It is a statement of fact that God created the heavens and the earth. Just for your information, here is the chronological order of God's creative work. On day one, found in chapter one, verses one through five, God created the heavens and the space and the earth. He also created water. The earth, in a sense, after day one, is like a ball of water floating through the darkness of the universe. On day two, found in verses six through eight, God creates the sky and the atmosphere. In day three, verses nine through 13, God creates the dry land and all the plant life. God created it on day number three. On day number four, verses 14 through 19, God creates the sun and the moon and the stars. And God did that on day number four. God made the stars on day number four. Amen. God made the plants on day number three. God made the space and the firmament on day number two. And on day number one, God made earth. It was a ball of water and God made light. On day number five, God made all the ocean life. He filled up the oceans with all the fish and the whales and dolphins and the sea and everything that's in the sea. And we was at the beach a couple weeks ago, as you know, and we saw a manta ray jump out of the ocean. He was catching fish. And I thought, right, I saw it. God did that. God made that manta ray. God built that manta ray. God said, let there be a manta ray. And there was. And God spoke it into existence. On day number five, He made all the ocean life. And He made all the birds that fly. You find that in verses 20 and 20 through 23 in Genesis chapter number one. On day number six, God spoke life. And God made all the land animals on day number six. He made all the creeping things on day number six. You think, why are you saying this? Because I want it to be said from behind our pulpit. That's why. I want it to be said in our church building. I want it to be declared unapologetically that God created caterpillars on day number six. Amen? I want it to be clearly define that the worldview of your pastor and the belief 
of our church, according to the articles of the faith and our church covenant, is that God created the heavens and the earth. Amen? I want it to be on record. I want it to be known. I want it to be heard. I want it to be believed. And I want it to be our conviction that on day number six, God built sunflowers. On day number six, God made, excuse me, God, on day number six, God made every creeping thing and mammal on day number six. On day number three, God built sunflowers. Amen? On day number six, also, God made Adam and Eve. And God spoke life into existence. And from the dust of the earth, he formed Adam. I was at a graveside just a few days ago, and I mentioned that. The Bible says, God says, Out of the ground I made you, from dust thou art, and from dust thou shalt return. And that's what's going to happen to you and I, amen. You better know Jesus, because it's important. It's appointed a man once to die, and after this, the judgment. But on day number six, God created Adam and Eve. And on the seventh day, Genesis 2-2, God rested from all of his creative work. It doesn't mean that God stopped being God. It means that God made creation and it was over. Amen? Creation is under attack. Do you know that? Absolutely, the doctrine and theology of God's creative work is under attack. I want to read you something. It's from, it's a wonderful resource Maybe jot this down. It's from Answers in Genesis. There's a cosmologist. His name is Lawrence Krauss. He is a professor. Here's what Lawrence Krauss teaches his students. He said, Every atom in your body came from a star that exploded. It really is the most poetic thing I know about physics, he said. He said, You are all stardust. You couldn't be here if stars hadn't exploded. Because the elements, the carbon, the nitrogen, the oxygen, the iron, and all things that matter for evolution and for life were created at the beginning of time. They were created in the nuclear furnaces of stars, he said. And the only way for them to get into your body is if those stars were kind enough to explode. So forget Jesus, he said. The stars died so you could be here today. Not that Jesus died. The stars died so you can be here today. You see, that defies what God said about his creation. God made the stars and he said they are very good. And everything that God made was very good. And at that point, nothing had died because sin had yet to enter into the world. And Romans chapter number 8 teaches us that even creation now, it groaneth waiting for the redemption of our bodies because when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, creation died with it. And there was no death until Adam and Eve, till sin entered into the world. And sin brought death into the world. And the world had nothing, had died, and everything was perfect. And God said that it was all very good. But Lawrence Krauss teaches, along with all the other secular scientists and cosmologists, teaches that you're here because a star died. You see the danger of this? What does that, all this mean? It means what you, you know what Lawrence Krauss is doing. He's describing a world without God. That's what he's doing. He's describing a creation without God. He's describing a universe without God. And what he's saying is, is that God is not in it. That God is nowhere to be found. 
That God is nowhere in all the universe and His fingerprints are nowhere on any matter that God has made. That God does not exist and God cannot be found in all the universe. God cannot be found. He's describing a world without God. You see, if you take God out of the beginning, then God is not in the end. If you take God away in the beginning, God, it doesn't say in the beginning stars. It doesn't say in the beginning the earth. The Bible says in the beginning God. And if you take that away, then you take God away. And he's describing and teaching and perpetuating a world without God. There's no God, he said. He also said this. He's just a spokesman for the worldview against God's creation. He said, change is always one generation away, so if we can plant the seeds of doubt in our children, religion will go away in a generation, he said. Or at least largely go away. And that's what I think we have an obligation to do. You see the intent? It's no secrets whatsoever. He's saying if we can take God out of the universe, then finally we can get rid of religion. Finally, we can get rid of Jesus. Finally, we can get rid of God. Finally, we can get rid of all of this mess if we can get rid of God. And I want to add something here. He might think he's gotten rid of God, but one of these days he, like every one of God's creation, will stand before his presence and have to give an account for the life that they lived here on God's creative earth. God made the heavens and the earth. So if you discredit the creation story, you destroy the truth about God. If you discredit the creation story, you discredit God. If you wreck the creative story, you wreck the truth about God. And you especially do it in the hearts and minds of young people, don't you? If you can take God created the heavens and the earth away from young people, then you're taking the truth of God out of young people's minds. Here's how doubt works. Because remember he said, and here's the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the plan of the devil. Here's the plan of our enemy. Let's sow seeds of doubt. That way we might take away God out of their minds and out of their hearts. In Genesis chapter number 3, what did the devil tell Eve? Here's what he said. He said, did God really say? Did God really say? You see, when doubt creeps in, then we doubt God or we discredit His Word. So what has the devil been doing from the beginning of creation? He's been saying what God says really isn't true. What God says really isn't the way that it is. And what Lawrence Krauss and all the other who deny creative, God's creative work is saying this, it's not so much an attack on creation, it's an attack on the Word of God. And if the devil can get you doubting Scripture and get you doubting God's Word, then he gets you doubting the existence of God. If we can only sow the seed of doubt, we'll have them. And the devil comes along to Adam and Eve, and he tells Eve rather, and he says, Did, yea, hath God really said, if you eat from that tree, you should surely die? You won't die. 
Did God really say that? And so if you discredit the creation story, you are destroying the truth of God in people's hearts. Here's how it works. The Bible doesn't really mean what it says. That's how it works. Genesis 1-1 really don't mean that. That's what the devil wants you to think. The Bible really doesn't mean that. You can't take it literally. You can't take it at face value. That's not really what God meant. I want to say something to you. Listen carefully. If Genesis 1-1 isn't true, then how did we know that John 3-16 isn't true? If Genesis 1-1 isn't really, God didn't really mean it that way, then how in the world do I know then that John 3-16 isn't really the way that God meant it? So creation really so much isn't a, an attack on creation. It's really a proxy war. It's really a fight against what God says. That's what it's about. And if you can discredit God's word in the minds of teenagers, then they're going to grow up thinking, I don't really know if that's really what it means. You see the danger of that? Hath God really said? Listen, young people, I wish there was 1,562 young people listening to me today. I would tell you that God created the heavens and the earth and all that therein is. And he did it in six days. And on the seventh day, God rested. Amen? Yes. So that, you don't have any scientific evidence for that. I would submit to you also that they don't have scientific evidence either for the creation and the, the start of life in the universe. They have no idea. And every atheist, dirty little secret is, really, we don't really know how you got here. From stardust. But since we don't know, it surely can't be that. If I don't know, then you don't know. If you don't know, then who could know? But we believe that God knows. And that God said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. They don't know. Do you hear me? They do not know. I would like to ask this question, this obvious question. Where did the star come from then? Where did the star that exploded come from? What started that explosion? It even breaks the law of thermodynamics because we know that every transfer of energy, it loses energy. Every time you transfer energy, there's an energy loss. Then how in this world can energy explode and create Virginia? It's, in, it's insane. Because Virginia is more complex than a star. If you discredit the creation story, you are destroying the truth of God in young people's mind. Now, how does that work? It places this thought, the Bible doesn't really mean what it says. If we can't trust creation, then can we trust the gospel? If creation wasn't a literal creation, then was Jesus' resurrection a literal resurrection? then what do we do? What do we do? That's the intent. 
We do nothing. We don't follow Jesus. We don't proclaim his truth. We don't have a Christian worldview. We don't have this conviction that God created the heavens and the earth. And since there isn't an absolute creator, therefore there's not an absolute lawgiver. And therefore there's no absolute truth. And then you can do what? You can do anything you want to, Eve. Because did God really say that? What is the devil telling Eve in in chapter 3? Do whatever you want to, Eve. You don't know that that's what God really meant. If you take God out of creation, you take God out of people's hearts. Look at the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1, I, I, I referenced it. I referenced it often. I referenced it last Sunday morning, I believe. And Paul said, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen if you take God out of the universe. This is what's going to happen when you take God out of his creation. And what's awesome about this is that this was like 2,000 years ago. And Paul is like, hey, if, if we get to this point, here's what's going to happen. And this even legitimizes scripture. It makes it like, wow, this is really happening. This is evidence that scripture knows what it's talking about. In the book of Romans chapter number 1, look at verse number 20. Paul says this, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What's Paul the Apostle saying? He's saying, you can look at the sun and it's evidence that this is created. You can look at the complexity of Ruth's eyeball and you could say, surely this is created. Created. You can look at the complexity of the human hand, how it moves. I can think I want it to move, I'll make it move. It has tendons, it has bone, it has muscles. I don't know how in the world got fingernails to come out, and I appreciate them. Could you imagine living a life without a fingernail? You couldn't even open a Coke can, Brother Billy. I mean, it's like we are fearfully and wonderfully made, you know that? Like God knew what he was doing and what he was up to. I can see a sunset, I can behold its beauty, I can feel love in my heart, I can be excited, I can feel sad, I know the the sorrows of defeat, I know the joys of excitement and victory. I have, it's amazing what God has done, amen? It's this, if you, you know in your mind and your heart, you go into the woods and you see a squirrel hopping around. It has, it has ideas. It, has, it, it, it knows what to do. It stores walnuts and acorns and it packs them away for the wintertime. It has enough sense to get out of the rain. It has enough sense to, to survive. You know when you see that gray squirrel, you know there ain't no way this thing got here by random chance, circumstances, and happenstance. There's no way. In the same way, if you found a you found a television in the middle of a field and it was just in the middle of a field you would say this you would say somebody put this here you if you found an earth in the middle of the universe you'd have to say somebody put this here can I remind you again that the earth fits in a little sliver of existence scientists call it the habitable zone if we was one degree closer to the sun we would burn up by fire and heat If we were one degree further away, we would freeze to death. And we're even tilted on an axis so we can have seasons and seeds and and all that. So it's like if you found an earth in the middle of the universe, you'd have to say, wow, the chances of this being luck, notice the term, are astronomical, aren't they? If you found a TV in the middle of a field, you would say this thing's been designed. 
There was no way for millions and millions of years that this plastic can form and these alloys can form and this, this nickel could be in here and these wires could connect to the right place to be able to turn the TV on when you want it to and turn channels and the volume things work. Listen, there is no way in this universe and you're far more complex than a television that you showed up here by accident. It's called the cosmological argument for the existence of God. That when you see order, there must be a creator, a designer, a builder. I've never went, never once walked through the woods and saw a log cabin and said, wow, them trees fell in the right spot. And they notched themselves perfectly even on opposing angles to lock themselves into a corner. Even the roof and the trusses. Wow! You would never think that. But the devil sows doubts into our minds because we've been heard a lie long enough and loud enough. Even some of us have been prone to be sympathetic to the argument of it. You find you floating around in the universe. And it's also, isn't it great that the earth isn't in the, mid, in the middle of, a meteor, of, a, of, a, of the meteor belt? It's awesome, isn't it? There is no way for all of this creative order and design to exist without a designer. There's no way. No way. Paul said in verse 20, that's what he's saying. He's saying, you can't look at a dandelion and your heart will say, the complexity of the petals, the symmetry of the leaves, there is order to this. Let me add something about the gospel. You know what the gospel of Jesus Christ does? The same thing that God did when the earth was void and without form, God brings order to chaos. You know why there's chaos in our schools? Because there's no God in our schools. You, want, you know why there's chaos in society? There's no God in society. And the gospel of Jesus Christ brings order to chaos. I don't know who said it, but I heard a preacher say one time that it's Christ or chaos. And even what, even what Danny was mentioning, Jesus Christ brings order when there is absolute chaos in life. Verse 21, Romans 1, Paul says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. They professed themselves to be wise, but they became fools. And let's skip down to verse 25. They changed the truth of God into a lie. And they said, did God really say that? God didn't make the heavens and the earth. God didn't speak life into existence. They changed the truth of God into a lie. They professed to be wise, but really they're fools. Look what happened. They served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Remember, Paul told Timothy, Timothy, in the last days, perilous times will come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. They'll be their own God. Verse 26, for this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. Even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. 
And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving themselves that recompense of their error which is meet. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up, gave them over to reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, malicious, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Don't that sound like 2023? Don't it? I'm not, I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm not trying to, trying to speak in figures of speech. I mean, don't it really sound like what's happening right now? I mean, I want to say, can't you see? Don't you, can't you open your eyes and open your ears and see? And what's going on? You took God out of a generation. How'd you do that? You took him out of the universe of their mind. You took him away. They became fools, professing themselves to be wise. If you take God away, here's what happens to the heart. Hey, I got a good idea. What if it happened this way? What if it took place like that? And what happens then? You're building your own worldview from the corruption of human, the human heart. You know what? It works, don't it? When you sow seeds of doubt, it works. Do you know that two-thirds of church kids, I'm talking about kids going Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Bible school, all that stuff, two-thirds of church kids, by the time they reach college age, never go to church again. Two-thirds. I've seen that at Westside. Two-thirds of young church kids, grow up in church, never go to church again by the time they're 20 years old, let's say. You think, oh, it's because they, they went to college. You know when most of that starts happening? Middle school and high school. That's when it starts happening. Because what do they learn? Did God really say that? Did God really say what he meant? Does the Bible mean what it says? Here, let me show you what really happened. And look what happens when God's taken away. Here we are, amen. It's like I don't even have to preach it. You know, you see it, you understand. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And all that therein is. You know why that's important? Because one, it's true. It's true. I don't want to be scientific but it's true. There's, there's, there's time for that. Because it's true, it's logical, it makes sense. And we see now, the Bible says, if you take God out of the universe, the universe will lose its mind. The designer's gone. The carpenter's gone. The welder's gone. The fabricators are gone. He's gone. We're going to make our own world now, and it's chaos. If we can't believe Genesis 1-1, then we can't believe John 3-16.
You can't have you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. Today, I want you as a child of God to pray that God would make this your worldview and conviction. That this is your truth because it is the truth. I pray that'll be true for you. I pray that'll be true for your family. I pray to God that you will research and learn and be able to always give a reason for the hope that's in you. To defend the faith as Peter taught us. To be able to talk about it. I hope and pray today that this becomes your life. Amen. You know why creation's important? Because He is the Creator, the lawgiver. You're walking around on His property. You're living in His body. And you're accountable to Him. Now let's add the gospel. And I'm done. All have sinned against God's God and His creative design. All have sinned and come short of His glory. So God, as I mentioned last Sunday night, invaded His own creation in Jesus Christ, the God-man. And now God in flesh walked among His own creation. And He said, hey, you come to Me, all you that are labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I'm the light of the world. I'm the bread that came from heaven. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the door. I'm the fountain of everlasting water. You come to me. You come to me. And I'll save you from your sins. From what? From death. I'll save you from death. And I'll forgive your sins through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And you'll have everlasting life because He lives I can face tomorrow. Amen? Where are you going? I'm going back to my Creator. That's where I'm going. You know what Jesus is doing right now? He's reversing the curse of Adam and Eve where Adam brought death. Jesus is bringing life and He is able to restore all things unto Himself. And one of these days and soon, I believe very soon, the Creator in Jesus Christ is coming back and there will be a new body for you and his, all His believers and there will be a new heaven and a new earth and former things will pass away and there will be no more death and no more dying, no more sickness, no more sorrow and God Himself shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. That's the gospel, amen? That's the gospel. But if you don't know Jesus, death abides in you. And death will be yours. Jesus brought life. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Bryson, what song? While you stand, I want to challenge you as believers, as believers... That I'm not going to be swept away in the fashions and ideas of the world. Every move I make, I'm going to make sure it's grounded in Scripture. Listen, here's what it boils down to. You mean that you don't believe Lawrence Krauss? He's educated. He's devoted his life to this. I ask, how old is Lawrence Krauss? Now let's compare his life, his knowledge... His brilliance to God. I just think I'll believe what God says, not Lawrence Krauss.
not him. The foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man, the Bible says. But that's what everybody believes, yeah. I believe what thus saith the Lord. That's it. Says it that simple, yeah. Well, you're a fool, Josh. Fine, so be it. Fool for Christ. But a fool is set in their heart, there is no God. So you might not like that. Well, you don't like Scripture. And why don't you like Scripture? You don't believe what thus saith the Lord? Have you been so infected by the world, you doubt what God has said? They've been beaten on the Bible for 5,000 years, and here here it stands. It's still relevant. It still applies. It still makes sense. It's still powerful. It's still powerful and mighty to save, to save, change lives, redeem sinners, build families, build marriages, raise young people with, rest on, follow Jesus, trust in the Word, and abide in Him, and then be with Him forever and ever. It's, I'd rather have my Bible than any opinion of the world. Well, they'll make fun of you. Who don't make fun of people? What's that matter? I'd rather have my Bible, wouldn't you? I'd rather have my Bible. This morning, if you have a need for Christ, if I can help you in any way, I'd love to talk with you, pray with you, show you in the Scriptures how you can be saved and know you're saved. Maybe today you've, had a, you've wavered in your faith. Now's the time to come back. Maybe a rededication a renewed surrender, a commitment to Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to do that today. We are running out of time, amen? We are running out of time. And let's make sure our commitment to Jesus Christ is eternal and secure in Him, amen? Let's sing together. If you have a need, you come.